Welcome to the Land Department Podcast. The state of land and energy as we see it. Grant, uh, it's you're one of the one of the most excited guests for me. I, I first found you on LinkedIn, and if anybody's had the treat of looking through your LinkedIn posts, uh, they understand how great this opportunity is. But uh, I'm sure there are other listeners that might be a little worried, aka Steve, about what might come out of your mouth. Uh, how are you today, man? I'm good. And you said that just how I scripted it on Fiverr. Good job. I'll make Thank sure you. that checks in the mail for you. Perfect. <laughs> nice to Perfect. see you too. Happy to be here. How are you, gentlemen, today? <laughs> great, great. Steve, yeah. are you excited for this? <laughs> as excited as I'm ever going to be, Khalil. That's great. Um, man, this isn't your first time on on radio, Grant. No, uh, it's not. I, Me and my friends were actually on an FM station in Northern Virginia. I've never lived in Northern Virginia. I don't know why I was on radio in Northern Virginia, but they said, <laughs> Grant, you got some pretty good takes about sports. I don't even think I have any takes on sports. <laughs> I don't know. People just seem to like my uh, my dry sense of humor. It's pretty dry. I think I'm maybe out of every 10 jokes, maybe uh, one will do okay. Other than that, but they're Northern Virginians. They don't know any better. Am I right? <laughs> See, that's one that didn't land. That's not good. That's good. That's good. Well, we're excited to get your take on the the land industry, specific renewables today. Uh, before we jump into our topic, though, I do want to let everybody introduce themselves as it is the first episode you guys are on as individuals. Steve, let's start with you. I know a lot of people do know you in the industry and especially up in your region, but why don't you give a little bit of background to yourself? Sure. Steve Carr, uh, Executive Vice President of Dudley Land Company in charge of the Eastern States here. I've been with Dudley for almost 17 years, um, contracted first, came in-house in 2009, and lucky to have a great group of folks here in uh, Pittsburgh. So, personal note, three small children, one fantastic wife, and one shitty golf game. <laughs> I hear it differently, It has seemed man. to fall off. It's fallen off, for real. He comes in, his scores are like mine, and that's not good. That's no bueno. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing the long game to be an eight handicap to be uh, everybody's invitational partner next year. I get it. Chicks dig the long ball. That's I live my life that way. That's true. That's great. That's great. Grant, why don't you give us a little bit back on yourself? Uh, like maybe your stand-up comedy history, anything like that. So, I do have a story about that. Actually, uh, it's probably not great for a work podcast, but I did. Uh, get thrown on stage in college by a bunch of my friends to do open mic in front of a, a sorority of blonde women. And uh, I told jokes that it took, let's just say it took me three years till I could talk to some of these women again where they're like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, God. <laughs> so I know what it's like to bomb terribly telling comedy that I thought was hilarious whenever we were all drinking some natty lights in college, but not a great stand-up comedian. Uh, I <laughs> I'm just a Polak from Johnstown, PA. That's why my head is so rotund. I, but uh, it's true. My poor mother. Uh, but I have been, I've been in the land uh, game for about 11 years. I never thought this would be something I do. I kind of fell into it. I uh, got my master's degree in uh, London, England, and I met a guy who I randomly saw. I uh, was at a bar in my hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And I was like, what are you doing here? I thought you were from Missouri. And the last time I saw you, you were going off to Dubai to finish your degree. 
said, oh, my brother is uh, in the oil and gas industry and he's working at Somerset. Said, well, if you're in Johnstown and you're stuck here, uh, why not come golf with me and my buddies? You know, we'll introduce some people so it's not as bad. Long story short, after a while of that, he says, hey, this company I work for, Dudley, is uh, training people through a program called Energy Force. Are you interested in getting a job? And it was that or work at a bar in Johnstown. So I said, sure. And here I am, 11 years later. Happy to be here. Same route as Steve, contractor. Only babies I have are food babies, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. I feel like I know. I need a cesarean to get them out of me. <laughs> it's like a terrible. Uh, that's not appropriate. That's going to make Brent really happy when he hears that. Sure. On that note, yeah. on that note, we'd like to say we're happy that you're here, Grant. Yeah, we're we're happy. That I you're am here. capable of. I am capable of being serious, but I just think you know, podcast like this lends itself to be a little cheeky. At least I hope so. Yeah, I don't. I could turn it down a little bit if you'd like me to. It's not a problem. No, you're good. We're we're enjoying it. We're having a good laugh. Well, you know, we, we're bringing you in because you're doing a lot of renewables work lately, and there's been a lot of uh, increased growth opportunities for land work in the space. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the recent projects that you've been working on in the renewable space? Well, I think, uh, as everyone knows in the land industry, I think a lot of people just got hung up on it being oil and gas for so long that they forgot there's other aspects that maybe in the downturns of 2012, 2016, you would hear some of your friends going to, let's say, mortgage companies and doing that kind of work. We at Dudley... Uh, I think I speak for the whole company, Steve, when I say prides ourselves on being uh, pretty a like able to uh, accommodate just about everything. I think we have people that are good or what's well-rounded in different areas of uh, the industry. And part of land is also renewable surface stuff. Uh, we're talking solar, wind farms, you know, pipelines, you name it, we can do it. We got people for it. And, uh, the growth right now is, I mean, have you read the news lately, what they're doing in California? You know, everything's going to electric vehicles. I think GMC announced, like, what, 2034, I believe, that they're going to bring out electric vehicles only. Is it 35? I think so. But so it's, uh, the space is growing, whether people like it or not. You have a lot of people saying, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not into that Green New Deal stuff, or they get hung up on that. But every time someone says something like that to me, it sounds like someone saying, oh, these new automobiles, you know, they can't beat my horse stable back here. This reliable pony. Like it's coming whether you want it to or not. Some people are just so set in their ways. I think that they get blinded to that fact. But I mean, they just released the Biden administration just said $900 million is going to get earmarked for these projects moving forward. So some people may not like that reality, but it is a reality. And I think there's, I can't imagine an area right now that has a higher growth uh, projection than renewables in the land industry. That's my hot take. Yeah, I would agree. I, mean, I remember when we got into the, just the oil and gas drilling, you know, in Pennsylvania alone, uh, drilling has been going on since the mid 1800s, but for 60, 70 years, the same guy would come back every five years, give you a dollar um, to re-sign your lease. Nothing ever happened. And then all of a sudden, boom, Marcellus uh, hits 
people were completely against it back then. We don't want that. We don't want these big rigs. We don't want to, all this. And now it's very rare to find someone who's not signed within a unit. So I think it's going to take a lot of education. It's going to take people seeing that you can't just have oil and gas. You need a mix of energy sources. And unfortunately, I think during the wintertime, you're going to, that's going to showcase itself. Maybe not as much here in America. It has, it has before, right? In Texas last year. But I think you're, you, the, the mainstream America is going to see Europe without a lot of power this winter and go, crap, what are we going to do? We, maybe we actually have to get on board with alternative sources. I think that's going to be, unfortunately, very, very apparent this winter. I think uh, that entire, not to get too geopolitical, I believe that the entire Russian strategy at this point is to just turn off the taps. And because the EU has solely went to... Uh, gas and oil, you know, Germany shutting down almost all of their nuclear power plants. Uh, now they find themselves made a deal with the devil. And now they, you know, what's the saying? If you want to dance to the tune, you got to pay the fiddler. And they're finding out that they put their quarter in the wrong jukebox. That's a lot of weird sayings <laughs> for the same situation <laughs> about how Russia is just going to uh, basically get whatever they want because, you know, can Europe sustain an economic loss because they've just uh, they've pulled themselves up to oil and gas only and haven't diversified? That's why it is very important that we do explore these renewable spaces. I think yeah. uh, there's a stigma against oil people within the renewable space because they're strange bedfellows. Uh, but it's an issue where they have the opportunity and we have the know-how how to get things done. So we're going to have to yeah. come together. And that's the role that I hope I'm helping Dudley fulfill that need with clients. Well, that's, that's where we space. come in, Grant. We are the, the together pusher of people. We have yeah. both sides. We can make the relationships happen and show them that we're not that bad over here and you're not that evil over there. It's true. There really is a disconnect with that. It's wild. You you think that, you know, I, I guess it just comes down to like the people's personalities that went one way or the other. It's almost kind of blue red. And we just want to be the middle. But I won't say that color because that's another company. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> no, that's fine. No. So I, I think that is a really important thing that we one, we do have to diversify, but two, we have to do it in a really smooth transition and in a smart way that's actually sustainable. Um, when you're working with, you know, the, the renewable side, I think there's a lot of landmen out there that haven't yet maybe done the renewable side of the land work. What are the the differences in doing the the land work on the renewable side versus the oil and gas? Is it the type of work that you're actually doing? Or is it really just the way that you handle the projects and the relationships? It's, I, if I'm being completely honest, it's very similar to how you run any project. I mean, you're basically asking for the same thing. You want to know what do, what do we buy? What do we have? Or where is their potential? Can we identify it easily? It, you couldn't tell if I was talking about a solar project there or an oil and gas leasing project for a unit. It's very similar. The only things that, you know, you get lost in the minutia of, when you're doing title, you're not going to go looking into 
a hundred years of coal seam title like you would for a drill site. But at the same time, you're now looking for just every possible right away and whatnot uh, that could interfere with a client site. It's not as robust when you're doing the search, but there's still a very similar feel to it, if that makes sense. I think I think a lot of it is education of the landowners as well. Um, True. You, know, you, you drill a well, it leaves a very small footprint after it's done. You put up a utility-scale solar project, you're taking up most of this person's farm. So... Um, well, for only a certain amount of time. I mean, you will eventually be able to take that out of the ground and it'll return to being just a field. Whereas I guess if you just plug a well, it would be very similar. But as far as the process, uh, cursory title to find out the owner. You do the same thing in oil and gas before you sign a lease. Go back and do your mineral title to verify that ownership to get whatever waivers you have or sign whatever oil and gas lease you have. It's it's really one and the same. It's just has a different label on the top. Yeah, what you know, we I, I asked earlier, but I know we just kind of introduced the you know land work and the renewal side why it's important. But what are right now you're working on EV charging and solar primarily, Grant? I am correct. Uh, EV charging right now is pretty big. I mean, like so. Looking at that beautiful logo above Steve's head, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, they were the university that ran that study against Volkswagen where they found out Volkswagen was cheating its, uh, emissions with the diesel cars. Uh -huh. That's how this all started because Volkswagen was ordered to pay a tremendous amount of money. And uh, one of the caveats was, what do we do with this money? Let's put it into advancing new green technology uh, such as electric vehicles. So a lot of that money went into these federal funds where you can get money to, you know, uh, I guess it was trying to induce investment into the electric vehicle market. So we have a lot of uh, clients and we work with a lot of people that are trying to take advantage of this money by getting these deals that subsidize, putting a ton of electric vehicle chargers in the ground to make it easier to make, uh, you know, a nationwide corridor. So if you buy a Tesla, let's say you have 300 miles of range. And if you live up here in the north where it gets cold all winter, that might get cut in half. I don't know the numbers. I don't have them in front of me. But if we take this investment from Volkswagen and this emission scandal and the additional investment, like I said earlier, the $900 million, well, now we can have a stop uh, EV charging station every, let's say, 25 to 50 miles across the country. Well, now you have unimpeded travel like you would with a gasoline car. And, you know, we can get into the weeds about electric vehicles and, you know, well, the electricity comes from coal. It's like, well, actually our client uh, that we're currently, well, no, I don't want to give that away. Maybe I shouldn't, but there are, is a lot of money coming from traditional energy markets into this market. Cause I think they even see the uh, the forest through the trees. They know the future's coming and they're trying to diversify their investments. For example, Electrify America. They are owned by Volkswagen. So even Volkswagen, who created this problem, is getting in on the back end. Right. And I haven't looked into that. That was just told to me by a client. So if that's wrong, I blame that person. And you know who you are. You know who you, know who you are. <laughs> 
Sorry. What started there. with these with these EV projects? What is it? Give us the scope of the projects and what it looks like to do that really fast. Well, it's just kind of, it's like a regular, uh, it's, if you're an oil and gas professional, it would be very similar to uh, locating a site, having your geologist give you an area. Uh, with this, though, we go on and we look at an area of, okay, here's a major highway thoroughfare. Here's where mm-hmm. two major highways intersect. So this is going to be traveled by more people. You can get statistical data from the government about how many cars are traveling through any given corridor. And then we can take our GIS and map out using different, uh, use county records and whatnot to show where people own properties like you would to find, hey, who owns this giant farm? It's very attractive to us. Well, who owns this gas station right like a quarter mile from this major intersection? So we use that kind of uh, information to go identify a landowner. And then it's just like leasing. Uh, find contact information. These are resources. Call them up. Uh, gauge their interest. Uh, and if everything goes well, work with the landowner to bring the, uh, the lease to signature and then turn it in. And then they'll start the development process on our client's end. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Steve, you were mentioning some of the differences. Uh, you mispronounced the word great again. What, what am I supposed to say? No, I said very good. I was like, that was great. Oh, very good. No, I'm there sorry. I'm just being a, great. I'm being a jerk. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, you're fine. Steve, uh, you were mentioning earlier that there's a big difference in negoci- negotiations whenever you're doing solar versus maybe a well site. Uh, maybe talk more a little bit about that and some of the other differences you see between renewables and oil and gas land work. For renewables, I think it's a a site issue, right? So, generational farmer has this eight hundred acres in his pro in his in his family for two hundred fifty years. Grandpa farmed it, great grandpa farmed it, dad farmed it. I'm now farming it. My kids are going to farm it, and you want to come in and you want to take half of that to put these solar panels for thirty years. So I. I think it's a site issue for a lot of folks. Whereas if you drill a well or you put me in a unit and you sign me to a non-surface clause, I don't have to see it. It could be across the hill. I still get money from it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to give up anything to be a part of that. But for this, you're asking me to physically give something up that I've owned or it's been in my family for this long for, for you to utilize that property. And I'm now only left with this amount of land to farm, to do whatever with you. On the flip side of that, you do have to put a monetary value to it, right? So in a, in a majority of time, farmers are very protective of the land, but they're very, you know, they, 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 they put a monetary value per acre of what crops coming off with um, livestock is there, how much money they can make. So if you can equate that to them of this is an output uh, per acre that you're going to see on a yearly basis for this amount of time, you know, that's where I think you've come more to the middle instead of, hell no, I'm not going to have that on my property. It, it has to be an open, uh, open-minded open farmer, open-minded landowner who sees that the bottom line. What could interject real quick? I'm sorry to interrupt, but you are right. I see that a lot, but we always are trying to also find when you identify these areas, you know, they have to be in ideal conditions. I mean, not too far from substations and whatnot. But what you really would, if you, because farmers love their property, anyone loves their property, but a farmer, like you said, it's generational. If you have 
a farmer that's maybe the kids have moved on. They went to college. They didn't want to come back and farm. They want to retire to Florida, you know, play golf and croquet every day. That's the people that we try to find. And in doing our research online, uh, using county records and uh, tax assessment, you can almost find who those people are because a lot of these farmers, it'll be surrounded by Miller, Miller, Yoder, and then LLK trust. And you're like, all right, that trust, I'm going to assume you don't know until you get into the weeds and contact people, but that's where I would start before a major unit saying, I bet that it's in a trust and they're sharecropping in order to benefit the rest of the family because no one wanted the farm anymore. So that's a more attractive site, but that's a way that we use our land work background to help identify grade A sites versus just, you know, throwing a dart at a wall on a map of places near a substation or a large transmission line. That's our white whale. Call me Ishmael. Mr. Stetz, if you're nasty. I, I agree, Grant Stetz. <clears throat> and I hate to go back to uh, blue and red, but there is a, a good amount of that out there. And, you know, unfortunately, they've painted this picture of you're either green or you're not green. And each side had to take take a side, right? So back to the education, if they would have just educated instead of slammed it down our throats that it has to be this way, I think you may see a different outcome. Yeah, that's really tough. What do you see, you know, working with renewables clients, what are their misconceptions about going through some of these processes of, you know, one, what are the solutions they're currently deploying if they're not using landmen? Uh, but two, what, whenever they do work with landmen, what are some of the misconceptions you see them have? They feel that uh, from my experience, you get people that have been in this industry, renewables, you know, when it wasn't as sexy, you know, back from the mid 80s through now. And we come in and they just see us as a bunch of shoot 'em up Texas oil men who we don't know what we're talking about. They know how to do it better because they've been in the industry for 30 years. Uh, and I think that they maybe have their nose up a little bit because of that oil and gas background, because the political stuff, because they're just so they've been told to be juxtaposed to it for so long. And then we come in there and we move at a different pace, I feel. We, I think, work faster and more efficiently, if only because we are so used to this kind of uh, scale. Like, we're used to dealing with large amounts of capital, whereas maybe in the 90s, they didn't have that kind of funding where oil and gas companies did. So we know how to ramp up very quickly, and sometimes it goes too quickly for clients. And you get pushback from people saying, well, I told you that this isn't something that we could bite off. And I told you that we should have just done it the way we've been doing it for 30 years. But I don't know. Steve can speak to that. I know that for a fact. You see all kinds, right? I think uh, when we first got into this industry of the renewables, um, a lot of folks had very high expectations that things were going to get done very quickly, immediately. And when there's a human element that are, that's involved, it, it takes time. You need to build relationships. We've talked about this uh, numerous times. It's relationships, relationships, relationships. Are there, are there cases where you're going to go and you're, some guy's going to go, yeah, I'll sign the lease right now. First time you met him, sure, it, it can happen. But it, it takes time to build that trust. It takes time to 
you know, get someone comfortable with you to to get that deal done. And a, a lot of those folks don't understand that and they think, unfortunately, that everybody wants this. Well, why wouldn't they want to sign this? This is we're giving them money. We're providing them generational wealth. We're providing them, you know, a future income, blah, blah, blah. But the the human aspect is what I think gets gets lost sometimes. I agree with that. I guess my answer was a little cold, wasn't it? <laughs> like, there, yeah, there are levels. I was just speaking from bad experiences, maybe, but I've never had a terribly bad experience. But there's definitely been some, uh, just call it rough edges in the past, especially when we first started doing this. On the on the flip side, there, uh, there's probably misconceptions by some of the landmen, especially contract landmen, maybe that you're that are being hired or that are being educated on some of these things. What are the misconceptions we run into there? I think it's kind of similar to what I spoke of earlier, where it's they assume it's so totally different that they won't have an understanding of it. Uh, like they're going to have to start from square one again, but there's mm. so many similarities that I think that is lost upon them sometimes. Like, Hey, just calm down. Think about it. Now continue like you would on another project. So again, I guess education really is the uh, word of the day. We should get the uh, Pee Wee Herman John B out here to scream. Every time someone says education. The traditional oil and gas lease that we all started with was a couple pages long. It had maybe 20 items on it, right? And you could ramble through that and you knew it back and forth. Landowners are used to it. You know, you you talk about education. A lot of these agreements that you're seeing in the renewable space are anywhere from 20 to 40 pages long. And the normal landowner, normal landman doesn't know anything that's in this, right? So uh, I think that uh, the AAPL is doing a good job. I think that some of the renewable organizations um, need to focus more on if you're going to bring this workforce in and you need these folks, then you need to start at the basics of, okay, let's go through this lease and explain everything that's in here instead of just slapping a 40-page lease down in front of somebody and go, all right, uh, read through it and let me know your thoughts. Yeah. That's that can be definitely intimidating. That actually is a major problem. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, that's also intimidating. Even if you're a landowner, that's intimidating. Very. Unless you're like me, like when you're buying something, you just go to the last page and sign it. You know. <laughs> and that's how I got my job. Get me out of here! I've been here for <laughs> I've been here for three hours. It's like every software agreement that you ever see online. It's like just scroll to the bottom, scroll and accept. Yeah. Well, you know, if education is such a big part of what needs to happen as we transition in, in from oil and gas to renewables and continue to grow the renewable side, how is educating being tackled on both sides for the renewables companies, for the landowners, for the landmen? What's being done and what should be done? Well, I think they've do they're doing a better job. There was nothing originally. I think this was a new space. Like I said earlier, they were just all about oil and gas and that just, you know, chain their horse to that cart. Uh, but now it is changing. I know we talk about it all the time because in the last downturn, there was just an exodus out of the land industry of people saying, I, I don't want the uncertainty anymore. I'm getting out of this. And so now it's hard to find uh, people that have an extensive knowledge that have still been in the game as long as we have. And so I think, do think that the AAPL trying to 
make these programs is a step in the right direction. But I think that a lot more needs to be done. Even maybe like when I started, Steve, with, you know, the energy force classes, I didn't know anything about oil and gas work and then give us like a week long weekend class and that just gets your foot in the door. And then you start working alongside professionals that have been doing it a while. And then you kind of pick it up by doing. Yeah. On, on the, on the landman side, you know, uh, the APL, we keep going back to them, but I think they have a good start. They found one or two very quality folks who have done a great job of traveling around the country, visiting with local associations, giving presentations. It's, it's more of a, a one-on-one. I think it'd be great, and maybe they're in the steps of this, but I think it'd be great to get a number of the renewable industry professionals involved in that and be able to give virtual lessons. You know, it's it's tough nowadays. You know, back back then, you would travel to get your credits, or you'd have to go to a you know, pay your money to go to the when the circus came to town um, for whatever speech was being given on oil and gas law, or <laughs> honestly. But we have we live in such a world now where if you could get some of these major renewable companies and focus on just different aspects, the lease, how interconnect works, what's the difference in you know substations, the different levels of substation, um, you know, transmission lines, just a, a number of different things that put the whole pie together. I, I think that that would be a great series that the AAPL or SEIA or one of the renewable groups could do. They're going to need to do it. Put it up virtually. They're going to have to do it, Steve. There's just too much stuff going on right now. Yeah, as far as landowners, that's that's hard to say. I, I don't know if it's going to take these groups coming in and doing town hall meetings or sending out mass you know, informative um, mailers. Uh, but you you need to do something to get the word out of, hey, we're not here to, we're here to, to bring more energy to your neighborhood. We don't want your neighborhood to go without power. Here's how we can store energy. Here's how we can generate energy. Here, here's how you have excess and surplus if something goes wrong from a rainy day. Lower the cost of your monthly bill and your premiums. Yeah. Put more into the market. Positive spends make people buy into your your game. Going back to your education uh, question about these classes that should be offered, they need to start doing it. There's so much money out there and opportunity in the renewable side. I don't think they have the workforce that they need. I know that you saw a bunch of politicians saying, well, retrain the coal workers to be computer programmers. It's kind of one of those things where it's, hey, uh, renewables isn't a dirty word in the land industry start, you know, retraining yourself into this other aspect of it. No one ever went to more school and someone was like, that's dumb, learning new things. What are you, some kind of an idiot? It's crazy to me that people get so close-minded. It's You should broaden all of your horizons all the time. Be like Ben Franklin. Yeah. But without the uh, lesions. So AAPL, if you're, if you're listening and you aren't already doing this, I have a feeling that you probably are. But let's get a series of landman events, a landman educational series for all renewables, not just the 101 that we've seen to this date. Yeah, I I would love to hear, you know, in that same vein of the education being such a big part of the future, what do we feel like the future is of renewables land work? Uh, are we going to see like land brokers exclusively doing renewables? Are we going to see 
um, you know, a, a huge uptick next year? Or, you know, how long is this going to take? What are your predictions for the future of renewables land work? Phew. I can predict the future. I would have won the Powerball so many times. I keep trying, right? Just never, never works out. I think it's going to be, it's going to have to go slow, even though it needs to ramp up because you just don't have the people available yet because people don't know uh, what they need to know to get out there. I mean, we do a pretty good job, I feel, in-house of getting people up to speed. But even then, there's, you know, it's the finding the people and whatnot. If I predicted the future, I'd say there's gonna it's going to be a mixed bag of everything. I think we are all in agreement that you have to diversify this country's energy policy. You have to have a little column A, a little column B. I don't know if you can go full, let's get rid of oil and gas completely right now. I think that would be catastrophic for millions of people. But I could see the future that the market share of the pie is going to you know, shrink a little bit. Uh, for oil and gas, but there's room at the table for everybody. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this country's energy demands are, geez, for the last hundred years have been the highest in the world, if not the highest, maybe with the exception of India and China. So, I mean, the market's not going away. On another aspect of your question, um, in the beginning of my career, it was a lot of, a number of smaller companies and they were trying to gobble up as much as they could. And then at some point, someone swooped in and, and you know, put those all together. And uh, I think you're saying the same thing right now in renewables. There are thousands and thousands of companies. And some of them are going about it internally. You know, they, they're focusing on very small areas. The large guys are all over the place. I think they need land brokers. I think the small ones would, would benefit from land brokers as well. But... I think as you see this, um, the acquisition side of the larger folks taking over the smaller folks, you, you might get into a more traditional oil and gas play or how, how we've seen land work. But right now, it's like the Wild West. I mean, the, everyone's after the same stuff all over the place. And for anyone listening that's in renewables right now, we always go back to the well of oil and gas. It's just because it's our background. It's what we know. So for us, it's easy to reference that because yeah. that's where our original knowledge of this entire industry came from. Right? It is rough, though. I mean, if you come up to Pennsylvania, Khalil, or West Virginia, I mean, we can tear down a mountainside and put a rig up, right? And you see it as you're driving up the highway. Yeah. Um, right now, you're going to go for the low-hanging fruit on the renewable side for solar and wind. You're going to the places that are the best key spots, right? You're not even going to mess with anything where you're going to have to tear down trees, flatten land. So... Who knows if that's in the future? Is it economical right now? Not at all. No. Maybe in the future. You know, could you? Are there going to be solar panels that are made of different materials that are can rotate? You know, up and down and sideways and this way and and, and get the sun at different angles. I'm sure. I mean, technology is going to advance, but um, right now they're kind of limited to where they can actually operate. And the size of the batteries are getting more efficient and smaller. Just like a computer in the 60s was, you know, a storage warehouse big. And now right. this has quadrupled the power of that computer ever had. You know, we're still playing with the abacus here instead of the calculator. Well, we already mentioned education on a, you know, at scale. But for yourselves inside of Dudley, how have you guys worked on, you know, educating the landmen that you're working with on the renewables work? 
And two, if there's if there's landmen out there that want to be educated in, in the renewable side, what do you recommend for them? I think we got fortunate because we have enough connections uh, around. Dudley's a pretty uh, large company as far as its reach across the country that we actually found people that have backgrounds and they've done solar acquisition work in the past. So where they were on the projects for a while, then we would start integrating people from the other side of the industry. And then we'd kind of chain, you know, those two people together, be like, help this person while they come up. If you have questions, ask anyone. We have open forums in our uh, systems like Basecamp and whatnot, where if you have a question, ask. There's no dumb questions. We'd rather you bother us at any time of the day instead of go out to a landowner and tell them something that isn't true. So it's kind of just been people with experience training people uh, with different experience, but also experience. One thing I think we've done a good job at is uh, any new clients that we do get, um, our number one uh, suggestion to them is kickoff meetings. Any new person that comes on the crew, um, let's record this and let them see it. Let's uh, do fact sheets on the lease, uh, different questions landowners are going to ask, how to respond to that. What From them, from you know, they're just internally their methods and processes. So I think that if, uh, if you're going out to a landman and you're going to start a new job, ask a bunch of questions because, you know, you're selling that company or your client that you're working for. And luckily we've had a, a majority of clients who are raring to put that information there, spend the time with the landmen that are going to be working their projects. I think you've got to utilize uh, you know, any, any resource available. As far as educational materials, that'll have to look into. I, I am not aware of any sole renewable educational source as of yet, but I may be wrong. Yeah. Well, and that's why content like this is important. Um, I appreciate the time from both of you just even introducing the topic of renewables land work for our audience. And uh, I think as we continue to learn, as we continue to work on projects, we can give updates on not just solar, but wind, uh, carbon capture projects. No, those are going to be a big thing uh, moving forward. They already have been. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate both of your time. Grant, how can people connect with you? You're on LinkedIn, right? Oh God. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. I was seeing how long I could do ridiculous things on LinkedIn until someone called me out for it. Uh, <laughs> I just think who called you out? I won't say names, but I was told <laughs> it was inappropriate. I was like, whatever. It's <laughs> like a friend that goes up. LinkedIn is a Facebook, but it's a Facebook where instead of someone saying, oh, I have a perfect life. Look at the meal I ate tonight. It's people like, I talk about synergy to all of my clients. Like, no, you don't. I know you. I drink with you. I know for a fact that that's a lie. So, so I don't want to be like pretentious. I just kind of want to be make it a little bit fun. Not too crazy, but just so someone can come on there between all the, uh, I, you know, I believe in good work-life balance. I like to just have someone read it and be like, what? What the hell? <laughs> that's pretty funny. So that's my approach to LinkedIn. Let's set a goal. How many uh, followers do you have right now on LinkedIn? Oh, geez. How many connections do you have? Let's find out. It's probably a number that you're going to say you can do a lot better than that. We're making. We're going to set a goal right now by the end of the year. I was 
I was opposed to LinkedIn for so long and I don't know why. So I actually only really got onto LinkedIn recently. It's where I've been using it. Uh, for yeah. a while, I didn't want to use my face on it because I how yeah, many how like, many connections? Let's cut it. How many connections? <laughs> I didn't even know where to find that. Go to my network. Just go to your click on your profile. Do profile. Yeah. Did you finally get a photo, Grant? I do. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I only have two hundred and nine <laughs> connections, Steve. All right. Let's set a goal. Let's set a goal five hundred by the end of the year. What do I win? I get to keep my job. Is that the problem? Add a boy, and I'll take you out for a crisp Budweiser. Can we just have an irrelevant episode where we just talk about whatever? We kind of just did that <laughs> for the Dudley Cocktail Hour. You can be you can be part of the Dudley Cocktail Hour next time. Yeah. If you're listening to this, help me out. Steve said he'd buy me some beer. Sure, he said Budweiser, a cheap pilsner. That's fine. That's how Steve Carr is. The cheap pilsner of bosses. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Don't you tell it to my father-in-law. He loves his Budweiser. Hey, I was drinking PBR before the hipsters stole it. You know who else likes Budweiser? Kansas State fans. Oh, uh, hey, they're drinking a lot of it. They are. Yeah, we got to shout out your background, Steve. I know people are listening on Spotify or Apple and can't see, but those of you on YouTube can see we've got four school logos. We actually had five up. Because Steve was mistaken, but Arkansas I was mistaken. Lost. I forgot about that last minute. Uh, sorry, Brandon. But these are the these are the week four winners. Uh, as you'll notice, OU is not on this board, so I apologize. My I team apologize is Leo. Texas is isn't on that board. Yeah, we don't care about uh, Texas. Texas won't <laughs> be on that board the rest of the season, probably. Not UT. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it, it stays the same. I'm sure that OU has a cupcake this week, right? You got the, uh, well, you're part of the Big 12, which is now the Big yeah, 6. Yeah, it gets a cupcake every other week at least. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful because now OU and Texas have made a terrible decision. So they're going to take the winner of each power conference and they just left one where they won all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enjoy watching the game from home. Well, don't worry. The Fighting James, the Fighting James Franklins of Penn State, uh, we're four zero, but we will end up eight and four and probably be at the Outback Bowl. Well, you can only uh, play Akron so many times a year. Listen, the Chippewas <laughs> of Central Michigan. Are, I mean, they were they were tough. Yeah, yeah, sure. Do you see Jeez. Cooper Rush is from Central Michigan? He played out of his mind last night. He played the Giants of New York. Uh, Give me a break. Hey, they're two and zero. Two and zero. That's yeah. right. You, they hey, were Philly's. Philly's undefeated. Philly and Miami are the two undefeated teams. How does that happen? Yeah, God. I don't know. So back to my. Uh, I listened to our podcast last night, Khalil, and uh, oh, my yeah. prediction of Mitch Trubisky was way off. Way off. Yeah, way I off. thought he'd go down in the second game, and he's still in there. So I'm he's still, still in there. Kenny Pickett, <laughs> put put on Pickett, baby. That's great. Oh, terrible guys. This has been fun, um, Grant. We'll get you into a cocktail hour soon. Probably do another episode on another renewables. Cocktail hour might get me fired, Khalil. <laughs> no, let's hope not. Aha, he sees our angle. Yes. Nah, like I always tell Steve, <laughs> fire me and set me free. No, I'm just kidding. Don't fire me, please, God. I need this job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Gentlemen. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Land Department. Check out our website in the show notes or visit dudley-land.com to learn more about us.